Blog Talk Radio. Excuse me, everyone. I am so excited today. We have an amazing, amazing show for you. We have Nita Ra Guswani. I hope I've I want to, I hope I've said that right. From Women in Music, and we have Yu Ting Lin, CEO of Q Music Group, who's going to talk about the Asian uh, influence in music and his background and his thoughts on the music industry moving forward. So we're going to have an amazing show. We're waiting for our co-host, Mr. Logan. As you know, unfortunately, this show does begin sometime with technical difficulties. So we are definitely looking to have you guys be with us today. And we have some amazing topics, by the way, today that will interest you. Uh, Facebook with... uh, a new, it seems like, they're saying no, but it seems like they've created an event themselves for weight loss. A teacher who decided to say for himself what he was seeing in the classroom and why he actually decided to quit, which I thought was great. He went to his own blog, he waited till he quit, and, you know, this is a teacher who was celebrated and said, what's wrong with the public school system? So, you know, that is something that, you know, we are all about youth and education here. So I'm really, really excited about that. And, um, you know, I'm just glad that someone had the courage to take that on. And uh, really excited about that. So with that said, we're still waiting for Mr. Logan. And as he comes on, I'm going to go right into what we call the Listen Give Soundbite. Um, as you know, um, starting off, you know, we're going to start off with the first one, actually, which is really about, you know, weight loss. Now, you know, how many of us know to lose weight, but how many of us don't, you know? So that's one of the areas that, you know, we're all clear that we need to do that we don't do, you know? And so um, for Facebook to actually take on, Facebook is claiming that they're, you know, they didn't introduce something called a weight loss life event. By, way, by the way, this is by weight of, uh, by way of Mashable. And they introduced this life event that they said it's not actually a life event that Facebook um, introduced, but it's, you know, it's right along the lines of, you know, publishing a book or anything else that you would look into your history of. So, you know, this is what they claim. I'm, you know, um, not going to say it's the case or not the case, but this is uh, what they said. So um, we're still waiting for Mr. Logan, so I'm going to continue on with the news. Um, One of the other things is global warming. Now, this is something that we're really, really concerned about around the world and um, not exactly sure how to handle that. Well, without further ado, Mr. Logan is on with us, and I'm excited to have Mr. Logan here. Mr. Logan, how are you here? I'm doing fine, Gail. I'm out here in cold, cold San Francisco, California. All the cities are cold, uh, Oakland, San Francisco, and San Jose. Do you know the way? Kind of cold. It's overcast. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I don't feel sorry for you, okay, because you had San Francisco and Oakland have the greatest summer. So I'm not – you don't have any regrets over here from me. Oh. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, no sympathy. I'm sorry, darling. No sympathy here. 
Um, you know, Jay, we we started into the news as we were waiting for you, because um, you know, our, you know how we usually have our technical difficulties getting in. So we were uh, waiting for you, and we were actually, you know, sharing with the audience about the fact that you know global warming is starting over in from Kenya all the way to Indonesia and Australia, and it's going to cause a lot of drought and floods. So what's interesting is that extreme. On one side, flood, which can actually flood out all the crops and everything, and on the other side, it's going to cause drought. And that's really concerning. It's talking about the temperatures that are going back and forth along the ocean, uh, the Indian Ocean. So that's a concern for food because, you know, some of those places uh, rely on each other for food. And often we think we're over here in the U.S., oh, that's not going to affect us. But it indeed will because China also uses those waters for crossing to get food over to the United States and other parts of the world and even in supporting Latin America. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's definitely a, a situation that we definitely need to take account for uh, with all the pollution and the additives and the chemicals and the trails that are left in the air from the uh, air, airplanes. You know, I think that uh, the planet is getting very, very hot. I mean, even out in California, jail, we have been experiencing a lot of the things that you just said, the flooding, uh, temperatures are just all over the place. I mean, last week, uh, Sacramento was 108 degrees, and usually it's hot, but it's not usually that hot. So you can you can tell there's a change. And uh, also our, our bay is subsiding. Uh, the bay is kind of... Uh, drying up in certain areas. So I think that, uh, that that our government and the governments of the world need to really, really take this thing. I know Al Gore brought it to our attention and a lot of other scientists, but I think they really need to take this thing uh, very serious because there's definitely something going on. And global warming is uh, affecting our, you know, everything, our agriculture. It's affecting our whole nation, and uh, we definitely need to do something about it. Um, it's amazing. I, I, told you, I, was, I told you. It's amazing. You, uh, I'm sorry. It's amazing. Watch Jay. Go ahead. No, I just, it's amazing because I would never, you know, I mean, you know, 20 years ago, I would have never thought that this would happen. You know, so it's amazing how how the pollution and the and, and what we have done to our environment changed changed the whole planet. I mean, it's incredible. So it's uh, you know you wouldn't think that a little little old man us being a human would have this effect on this great big world. This is a big place. It really very much is, and I'm really concerned because you know we think we thought as as um, Al Gore shared with us, we thought even Hurricane Sandy. I don't Jay. I would love to ask you here in New York when it rains now, the rain is so heavy. They were almost walking like in floods of water. It's like become the norm now. Are your rains a lot harsher out there in uh, San Francisco itself? Well, we, we have the opposite effect. You guys have been getting all the harsh rain. We've been getting no rain. We are in a drought. So it's, it's, so it's, just one, it's one extreme to the other. You guys are getting all the severe weather, weather, and then we have water rationing, and we can't, you know, you know, California used to be green. Well, no, it's brown now. So it's really, really hard out here because we can't, we can't agriculture suffering, our, our, you know, all the you know, animals are suffering, and water is really like gold out in California. Golden rush or water rush? <laughs> well, you know, I tell you, what we're dealing with is just, like I said, harsher rains, and it's making it very difficult for a lot of people. Um, one of the things that, you know, um, well, we have our guests, so in one minute we'll go on to our guests. But I wanted to ask you about the Facebook uh, event that's been added. It talks about weight loss, and it's something that I guess was a little bit of an uproar for some people for Facebook to add. I don't see the big deal or anything wrong, actually. I think it's great because you can really take a look at that. But um, Facebook event for weight loss, that's been quite interesting. But, you know, Jay, I think we have our guests. So, hey, do you want to discuss these really powerful stories at the end of the show? I think that would be great. What do you think? Why not? Let's do it. I'm excited. Okay. So um, we, are, we are really excited because, 
you know, now that we've gone through our Listen and Give sound bites, we're now excited to bring on our guests. First, we will have Nita Raghuwansi, I hope I pronounced that right, of Women in Music, and Yu Ting Lin of Q Music Group, who's going to share with us about the industry from his perspective, perspective and the integration of uh, Asian artists. Nita is going to discuss with us about her organization, Women in Music, and the amazing things that she is doing with that, and, and something that is, you know, very much needed. So without further ado, let's bring on Nita, Jay. All right, let's do it. Nita, welcome. How are you? Fine. How are you? Thanks for having me on. We're really excited. You know, so Nita, before we go any further, we'd just like to let you know we have a number of questions and ask that you mm-hmm. tailor your answers to the questions so our audience can really connect with all of your expertise. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, great. So we're so glad, we're excited to have you, and we know that you have created the organization Women in Music. We want to know what has you... So I wanted to say, actually, the organization started in 1985, so actually I'm I'm not the uh, founder of it, but I'm... uh, but I definitely have taken it over in the past years and wanting to grow it to a, uh, another level. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Well, uh, to whoever, whoever uh, founded the organization, we do apologize. Um, yep. <laughs> and so, so we want to know, you know, so then I'll, you know, I'll ask that question in a different way. What had you want to take over this amazing organization? Uh, that's a great question. Thanks, Gail. Um, I wanted to take it over because it's been very important that um, that we sort of continue the work of what has been done but bring it to a national level. Women in Music was established in 1985 and it, and it was to address a concern which is still there today in the music industry which is um, the lack of leadership um, in the music industry, especially on the business side, um, that there's not enough females, or I should say, you know, there's not enough sort of leadership parity that is happening in our industry. And it was to also do that by advancing, sort of identifying leaders, advancing education and awareness of the issues, and, and allowing sort of a network um, for women to to come together to talk out their issues, to be educated in their industry, to find their niche and become experts in their areas, and um, and and you know help each other to grow as a community. And it's been very New York centric for for decades. And I thought what was important, what was really interesting to me, was to um, I'm sort of a community organizer in a sense, but wanting to bring it into a national on a national level and an international level. And as I went around the country um, in the past decade um, meeting music industry women from all over the U.S. and abroad, I found out that there are pockets of women who need this but didn't really have that, that infrastructure in place. And so it was interesting to me to grow chapters around the country. Well, um, Wonderful. Jay, I, think, I think Jay was yeah. going to have to reorientate that next question, so feel free to ask whatever question you have. <laughs> so well, I, I still want to know, uh, Nita. I still want to know how many how many locations is this uh, organization? How broad and how how far stretch is your organization? I mean, is it New York and here, there? We have we have members from all over. Most of our activities, however, our live events are happening in New York, but as we are expanding, we are, uh, for example, this month on June 24th, we're launching our Washington, D.C. chapter uh, with an event at the Gibson Guitar wow. Showroom and, 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 you know, sort of gathering that community together. We're focusing on Atlanta and Miami and talking to some folks in Austin and in San Francisco. Um, and so like that, we are we are um, starting to sort of organically grow those communities and have them put on some events where people can get together. Right now, we are you know, we do have we have members from all over the country and even a few from abroad. And the way that they sort of communicate with each other right now is via a Google group um, that members are at, put onto as soon as they join, um, where they can sort of ask each other questions and uh, usually they tap into each other for resources. You know, if somebody says, hey, I need a connected sponsorship at Coca-Cola. Does anyone have a hookup? You know, they'll, they'll, people mm-hmm. will private email each other amongst the Google group and help each other out. And it's, 
And that has a national and international reach, which has been amazing. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Anita, is where did, you know, so, uh, again, we have to reorientate our questions. Do excuse us. Where did you see the need for women in music? You know, where do you, actually, I guess I would put that more present tense. Where do you see mm-hmm. the need for women in music, and why do you feel the need? Why did you personally feel the need to create, to to work with these organizational areas? So I'll say it again. Where do you sure. precisely see the, the need for women in music right now, you personally, sure. and why did well, you feel the need to to um, uh, take this organization in the direction of that need? Right. So, yeah, so um, as I sort of just briefly mentioned, but yeah, let me, I'd love to be able to speak in more detail, there is definitely a lack of, of leadership uh, of women, especially I'd like to focus on the music industry, uh, sorry, the business side of the music industry. And it's really time for women to, we've gotten into... We've gotten into the music industry, what has been a predominantly male-dominated industry. We've gotten into it in terms of junior-level positions and even up to mid-level management positions. But there's very few women CEOs, presidents, senior vice presidents, and vice presidents in in all the different sectors of the music industry. And it really is time for women to sort of proactively define their goals and if they are wanting to be in leadership, to take their fair and equal share of leadership positions to sort of reach that leadership parity in our industry and um, and it's important for them to find that way by I mean I, I feel like women in music and, and and you know sort of under my leadership and with my fabulous board and who are all amazing leaders to to sort of raise the awareness and and bring bring those women together to to find a way to um, to, to tell them, I mean, the women who are in executive positions, who are in power, need to be reminded, I think, about the fact that they have a responsibility to their community of women in music to share their message, to share their story, their journey, and to mentor not just one-on-one, which is very important and on a one-on-one level to mentor, but also to mentor on a mass level by participating in conferences and doing radio and online radio interviews such as this and to you know involve themselves in participating in media to get their their inspiring stories out to to a mass audience of women who are working in this area and um and i think it reaches across other sectors into other industries because overall there if you look at department of labor statistics there is a lack of women leaders amongst, amongst almost all sectors and all business areas and so and i think it's important to encourage younger um, audiences, uh, you know, students in the university and college programs that are in music business um, to, to, to know that there are mentors out there and inspiring stories which can be women that can be role models for them and, and wow. help them to follow on the right path. Well, I, I think you yeah. kind of hit on some of our questions, but we'll we'll, okay. we'll, 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 we'll we can get further in, though. Go ahead, Jay. I'm sorry. Well, she, she did hit on some of our questions. But I still want to ask this very important. I'm very curious to know, Nita, what do women identify with in being connected with this organization? What do they identify when they first come in there and uh, mm-hmm. join? Right. With it, some, you know, it's, it's a variety of things. Some identify with the fact that they feel like they need more education in a particular area. Um, so they identify with the fact that we have a panel series and, um, you know, they're able to sort of meet some of the leaders in, say, the area of artist management or in the area of booking agents and touring. And they are able to, you know, find out, uh, you know, more information, which, you know, knowledge is power. And that's just such an incredibly useful and empower. You know, it's important to be empowered via knowledge. So um, I think they identify with that. Uh, there's another group that very strongly identifies, which is building community and networking. And so oh. we do networking events, and they really just love meeting each other because it's through all of the one-on-one relationship building that that women sort of can help encourage each other, learn from each other, and find out about opportunities um, from each other. So, um, and they can share their, their challenges that they face. And, um, you know, so they identify with sort of being able to network. I mean, there's definitely a strong 
strong um, movement toward that when people first join is saying, well, is there a chance for me to meet other women in my industry and share? And I say, absolutely, you know, come on down to X mm-hmm. event and and we're having one tonight, and you know, and which and I will, which I'll be at. People. I will be at. Oh, fabulous! <laughs> Great. <laughs> so, one, one <laughs> so Nina, you know, one of the things we want to ask you too is, do you think you know? This is just a question that Jay and I were thinking about. You know, as two people who lead the show, Jay and I are always in partnership through so many things, and then we have our own individual pursuits. And one of the things I want to ask you personally is, do you think we're placing too much, you know, focus or emphasis on women in the industry being equal to men, or just equal, or is it we need to look at equality in terms of pay structure and available positions? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I look at it as pay and available positions far more. I mean, I think that men and women are are, are very different in the way they approach. Um, Various subjects, uh, you know, due to all sort of the the very traditional things that have been laid out, you know, in sort of various books and studies about the differences between the genders. When it comes to being in business, um, you know, there is definitely a, an inequality in in pay structure and in positions uh, available, and and that is sort of you know when we really get to the problems or the issues, I mean, that's the focus. It's absolutely the focus is, is that's where the equality needs to happen. It's, kind of, it's just not fair, not just to know that women would not be able to prosper and be promoted and have those positions available to them or be paid for the same job, be, be paid at a lower amount basically, for the same position or the same job just by virtue of their gender. Um, and it is happening, and, you know, there's been many studies I won't get into right here, but there's many studies available <laughs> online that show all of the Department of Labor statistics that women are paid, I think, at a 74% rate or something like that compared to the 100%, you know, the dollar that a male gets in businesses. What we are lacking in the music industry is actually in-depth studies specific to our music industry. I actually encourage anyone out there listening who's in part of a university or college program in music business or even in women's studies to focus on the music industry. It's something we really need so that we can pull those stats together. I think there's common knowledge that that that, that is the case, but I would love there to actually be some real solid quality information and stats we can pull from um, specific to our area. I think you'll like Jay's so we can next show that there's you know a little lack. Mm-hmm. Then I think you'll like Jay's next question. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is very uh, this is very very exciting interview. I'm really impressed. I, I see you are a lawyer by trade. I am. I am over twenty some years now. So my my question is, what type of what type of areas of the industry did you work with people in the legal aspect? Oh, in in the legal aspect, I've worked in all areas of entertainment. I used to be the in-house lawyer at the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts in D.C. for almost nine years. But then I was also head of artist labor relations at a music organization called Sound Exchange, which is very, very important. Mm -hmm nonprofit that collects and distributes all the royalties for artists and labels for their digital uh, non-interactive streaming, so Pandora and Sirius XM Radio and all those streams. And one of the wonderful things I got to do was go around the country in that position um, um, educating artists and copyright owners about their their rights to to their income and saying, hey, we have royalties for you. Come and find out about this great new stream of revenue that's been created. But in that is where I also got the opportunity to meet all of the different genres of music in the U.S. and all the different communities and found all these wonderful women working in all walks of life uh, in the music industry and and, and started to hear their stories and, and their challenges and, and really got a great, um, you know, great viewpoint, which has really allowed me, I think, to know what's needed or get a better sense of it anyway. And has impassioned me on this cause. <laughs> well, that's so great. Yes, and I, and I tell you, that's, this is so great because our, 
actually our questions really reflect a lot of what you're sharing. So thank you for sharing such great stuff and being so informative. Um, one of the things we have I wanted to ask you is, this is just a yes or no answer because Jay actually has another question that expounds on this. Do you come across many women who are engineers or producers who are underrepresented in the industry? Oh, absolutely. It seems to be of all the areas that that's the one that um, yeah that that has that has the lowest numbers of women involved. And yet, I speak to many professors at audio engineering programs at universities around the country and and schools around Nita, the country, such as the Nita, SAE. I, yes. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I don't want to go into Jay's question because he has a specific question for you since he's a producer himself. Uh-huh. So I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to take a little bit too too much from you and not give him use too. Sure. <laughs> so, Jay, sure. Jay, I know you have a question. Yes, I want. I like to know, Nita, what has been some of the feedback women producers and engineers have said about their experiences in the music industry? The feedback that they have um, in yeah. terms in the of their in challenges. Yeah, you know, like you know, what have been some of the feedback that you've gotten back from the challenges and some of the good things and you know the jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there a big market for for women to be producers? I mean, you got Quincy Jones, where's Mrs. Jones? So I just want to get, mm-hmm. I just want to find out, you know, what are the experiences that you uh, that they might have said by getting jobs, trying to find work, trying to get some right. type of Catch twenty two. Well, you can't be a producer yeah. because this is, is it a is it a man's world? Is it, should should yeah. it change? So I just want to hear some of the complaints and some of the. It is the, predominantly a man's people. world, and I have heard I have heard many females complain that they don't seem to be getting sort of the internship or apprenticeship programs in some of the yeah. studios. Um, that uh, that they feel that it is partially due to their gender, but you know it is it is very difficult to tell um, what the what the real obstacles are. But we can tell from the fact that we don't know that many that there must be some hurdles and obstacles. But it is yes. traditionally been an area that women haven't gotten into as much, and 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 yet I am as I was about to say I, I am seeing from speaking to colleges and universities that offer that program, that there are more and more women entering um, into the programs. Because, and I think from there we will start to see more women in the workplace in that particular area, being producers and engineers. But they definitely, um, you know, have sort of traditionally been just pure old gender bias sort of um, obstacles to those women entering and getting all those positions. Um, yeah, where they can get into those communities. I think that artists as well don't hire female producers a lot of the time because they just they have their own conditioning that is sort of you know wanting to go to sort of certain traditional big names that they've been familiar with. But I see, I do, I am optimistic. I do see more and more women entering into the, those areas, and, um, and you know, certain genres have more. Electronica, I think, is very strong with female. Um, DJs, producers, remixers, engineers in, in that particular genre. Um, it is always a, a very progressive genre, and um, I'm very optimistic for women entering via that way, and then perhaps they'll reach out into other genres from there. Interesting. Does that you know, sort of help? Another, <laughs> Answer that. Yeah, it, it is, it's great. I mean, because, and that's why I didn't want to interrupt Jay's question because I knew that would come right out what you were sharing about that. Um, you know, I have a completely different question, uh, a little different, mm-hmm. that goes right into what you're – so I love India, okay? And <laughs> I have visited – and I visited Chennai and Bangalore in the past working with uh, NBC on Hulu. And mm-hmm. I'm, in the, I'm seeing an increasing number of women enter to the arts, and it's amazing. In a culture that I know that traditionally focuses on, like, engineering, medicine, law, accountants, you know, more the professional side, Okay. I know mm-hmm. there's Bollywood as well, and there's and people don't realize in India there's not just only Bollywood. There's other areas, you know, like Bollywood is from like Mumbai, but there's other mm-hmm. parts that have also like Hollywood all throughout India. And so mm-hmm. I want to know personally to you, what had you choose to get into the field of the arts and entertainment? <laughs> it was a challenge <laughs> in a somewhat traditional Indian family and growing up and when I mean there is definitely a cultural barrier I mean I started as a musician um, you know in a in a band in a rock band and 
and you know but and yet uh went to law school because there was still a real um you know force from the cultural traditions to to go into a more traditional area uh as you were just describing so um you know but it's uh, but it's definitely you know when you feel a passion for a certain subject matter it it uh it it cannot be denied and so it was definitely um it's definitely great to be able now to have combined both my interests in a sense because I did have an interest in business and in law and um and you know being able to do it in the music space is really a great thing but are you asking sort of on a on that personal level or on a more general level no, actually, your per- see what people don't realize your personal experience coming mm-hmm. from another culture that focuses on this as a, a woman and as a person in general. It means a lot to other people who listen to us because many times I run into women who are from India and they want to mm-hmm. pursue the arts, but they come from a very traditional family where the That's pressure right. is on them to go into more a professional uh, position, and they try to explain to their parents. But I, I could go to Juilliard but their parents say, no, I want you to go into engineering or, you know, computer science or something like that. And so they're mm-hmm. left with not, like, not knowing what to do. Mm. Well, yeah, the not knowing what to do is, I mean, in the end, I think that we have to be our own independent thinking individuals that um, if, the, if the passion is strong enough to, to be brave and just say, this is who I am, this is what I want to do, where I want to go. And I, I know I definitely did that. And, you know, I may have seemed rebellious to my parents, and it was, I guess, for, to their traditional norms, but it was definitely, um, I, I, I have no regrets. I mean, I've now been in the music industry, I guess, around 25 years. And I think that my parents look back and say, wow, we're really proud of you, um, both from the performer side of me. I still perform in an eight-piece rock band. and Really? And, um, I continue to do that. Yes, the oxymorons. <laughs> and uh, we have actually celebrating our 25th year anniversary this year. Um, so <laughs> we, uh, so I still continue to perform as I still continue to be an attorney in the entertainment world and a business professional in the music business. And, and you know, I think that there is also a way to, um, you know, to combine things. I mean, for me, it was important. I, I, I found out that I, I found out that, I was actually absolutely interested in, in the business and the law as well as the music. So as I said, I've just been blessed to be able to combine everything that was going on in this particular brain of mine and for what I had a passion for. But everybody should. I, of course, I just always want everyone to find a leader within them and to allow that leader to emerge and to say, this is who I am, and to be brave against their their family um, know coming down on norms with them and to have that rebel in them speak out <laughs> because it's okay it's okay it will be fine in the end and everyone who loves you will always understand <laughs> wow especially if you're successful wow. <laughs> <laughs> which hopefully okay. everyone who has passion will be <laughs> <laughs> well, i know you have a question jay for anita yes um anita now i want to know about uh, children and young women, women. What do you share with young women who are really interested in getting into the music industry? What would you share with them? What do I want to share with them? Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, there's sort of a slightly different message on the artist side versus the business side of things. I mean, on the artist side, it's some, what I want to share is 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 that that when there are lines being crossed, I mean, on the artist side, there are a lot of women artists I meet that come upon obstacles, um, uh, sexual harassment in the recording studio or uh, by the owner of a club, uh, hitting on them, you know, pre-show, post-show, those sort of really terrible issues that come up and stories that I hear just make you want to cry. And I, I want to make sure that those women know that they should just stay strong to to cre- create lines and barriers and 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 draw that line and say that they're and be able to say no and be able to walk away and not feel like they're burning a bridge or not be fearful that they're burning a bridge by by saying no which i think is the big fear it's the reality that that, that i hear constantly is well it's so hard i think i might be burning a bridge with somebody that's important to my career and 
you know, of course, this also happens in the business place, and so I just want everyone to know that they that they have to, they they must stay strong and say no and don't have those fears of burning a bridge. In the business area, it, it's I want young women to 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 find out if they want to become a leader. Most of them, I think, do, and and to 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 really you know sort of put themselves in leadership programs. There's general ones out there, online ones where they can learn how to be an expert in your field. I think that's the biggest one, which is young women gain knowledge, find an area or a niche area in the music business and become the absolute expert in that. Read, read, read everything you can about that area so that you come into the workplace with being known as that expert and being knowledgeable about that field. I think it's been so useful to so many women who have excelled in their field. Well, thank, Nita, thank you so much. We had a couple more questions that we have our guests on next. So um, we have like one minute left, and we want to ask you something. This is from Jay and I both. What are mm-hmm. you most passionate about in life and in music? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm like in in the, in 20 seconds. Um, <laughs> what am I most passionate about? Um, I'm passionate about women in music, the organization, helping it grow. I think it's the most the, the biggest thing right now for me. And, wow. And um, yeah. Um, yeah. That is um, that is, that is it. That I mean, is, on the yeah. other side, I'm most I'm passionate most about passionate copyright about, law I, and seeing the copyright law be reformed to, to meet the needs of what's happening with technological advances. Those are my two big ones. Well, you know what? That's our two big ones, so thank you. Great. Anita, would you come, come back on with us later in a year and let us know what Women in Music is doing? Sure, I would be honored to do that, and I thank you so much for this uh, wonderful opportunity to speak to you and address your audience. Great. Thank you, and I have to tell you, for Jay and I, this is like we we revel in this because having someone, we love multiculturalism, you know what I mean? And just yeah. to be able to con- connect with you on, on all levels, you know, that you're a woman, that you're making a difference, you're from India, so you get to see different perspectives of both U.S. and can infuse us with some of the culture that you've learned so uh, from your mm-hmm. culture. So for Jay and I, we love this. Yeah. And we Wonderful. Say, we thank you. We really thank you from the bottom of our hearts because you're actually fulfilling on a dream that Jay and I um, see, are seeing played out in reality with youth, education, music, women. We thank you so much and for the work that you do, Nita. Great. Well, thank you. <laughs> Great. Wonderful. Well, thank you for doing this good work of identifying those things and wanting to tell the world about it. It's great. Well, thank you. And we look forward to having you on again. And um, have an amazing day. Yes, you too. Take care. Bye. Yes, All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Jay, she was so amazing. I really enjoyed that. You know, Jay, coming from, you know, she's from India. She's gone to school here. She can give us so many different perspectives. You know, that's really great, don't you think? Like a wealth, wealth of information, especially we didn't even get into the sound exchange and all the other stuff. It's going to be great to have you exactly. back on the show. This is great. Oh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Now we have another guest who I'm so excited about. His name is Yu-Ting Lin. He has been an executive in the industry for a very long time. He is getting ready to start something on his own with um, Asian artists. And his perspective, Jay, you're going to love it, you know. So without further ado, we're going to bring on Mr. Yu-Ting Ling. Let's see here. Okay, getting stuck here a little bit. Let's see what's going on. All righty. Okay, let's see if we can. Okay, nothing to... Okay, one second, Jay. Oh, my goodness. This is very interesting. Okay, <laughs> audience, work with us. We're trying to get our... The computer's going a little uh, crazy here. So we're going to bring him on right now. Okay. This is... This, oh, gosh. I think we're going to have to call. Uh, wow. Let's see if we can bring him in. Jay, I think the best thing for us to do is uh, call him. Okay. I think we're having a bit of a problem. Technology. Uh, there he is. 
One second. Oh, goodness, what is going on? This is the strangest thing. Um, see if we can bring him on now. There we go. Yes, Hello? How are you? Hi, Eugene. We're sorry about that. We had a little bit of a <laughs> technology breakdown there. Uh, Eugene, no problem. I'm so, so excited to have you. And please meet Jay Logan, my co-host here and from San Francisco. Jay, meet Hello, Hello, Jay. How are you? Hello, Eugene. Very nice great, to meet great. you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're excited. We're totally excited. Uh, So, you know, know, we're going to share with you the same thing that we did with Nita, if that's okay Uh with you. And that is, you know, we have have some questions. And we've got some, you know, really amazing questions for you. And we really just ask that you really like hanging there with us and just make the answers as short as you can so that we get everything. We're a little greedy today. Okay. Sounds good. So, okay, so good. <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. I have a feeling. Okay, so you, <laughs> so you know, you Ting, one of the things that um, we know is that you, you know, you will get right into it. So it was amazing hearing your background in music. I understand you started out with Clive Davis. So, so can you just share with us what that was like for you? Um, it was very overwhelming. I mean, it, uh, he is a legend in this business, and he's, he's nurtured some of the artists that we've all grown to love and we still love. And um, it was a very humbling experience because as a young person, you come into an industry, you think you know a lot, you, you have a lot of ambition, but you're quickly, um, you're quickly shown that you, know, you still have a long way to, to go, but furthermore, most importantly, is that you never stop learning. And you have to always abide by that rule, which is, you know, even at his age, uh, he continued to seek knowledge, seek information, and uh, he continued to challenge himself and sign and work with artists that, um, you know, was very new to him. And I was always and still continue to be very inspired by that. That's very, very interesting. I'm going to carry on that that, that question, and I would like to know, uh, you can... uh, could you share just a few things you learned from working with Clive Davis? Few things learned. Uh, first thing would definitely be detail. <laughs> he is. Um, <laughs> I my background. I saw music in the through um, melodies, through rhythms. Given the fact that my background first was as a musician, and I didn't really much pay attention to lyrics as much as I should have. Um, and being with Clive, it certainly. Uh, it it re, realigned my focus in areas such as lyrics and areas such as recording, how a singer sings, how they enunciate certain words in terms of uh, where the note is going, um, where the chord change is going. So it was, it was that level of detail in the recording process that I found fascinating. Um, and, and the other thing, another thing that I learned... Um, was curiosity. You know, again, like I said, he is, you know, everyone always says this industry is for the young person, right? And it was just very true uh, because they have a pulse uh, on, on the streets. But with Clive, it was constant just curiosity in the terms of what was happening in pop culture, how it was influencing, what kids were thinking, um, how they were being inspired, how they were consuming music. And I, I, that is something that um, I continue to strive for on a daily basis. And so those two, those two things, I think, would be the most important things that I learned. I guess there is also a third part. Let me, if I, if I could, may. <laughs> third, third thing would be, um, you know, a lot of us come into this industry and we meet people that have large personalities, that have tremendous amount of experiences, and, and you may not have as much. And so the natural instinct as a, as a person, we, you know, you become a little insecure. And the one thing that I always reminded assistants and interns and, and such was that, you know, we all started out from the same place. And whether or not we seem like we know a lot of information now, that information that's been drilled into our head is just experience. So for newcomers that come into this business, you know, they should be, um, they should, they, they should not find themselves insecure. Just always remember that we all came from the same place. We all learned we had to go through the same process. 
Well, you know, that's funny, Jay, you know, because, you know, we could actually all three get into a discussion here. Jay, you know that. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things, Jay, I loved in meeting Yuting and his wife, Serena, yesterday, I just want to say hello to Serena out there, um, is um, amazing was, you know, the, the compassion that they both had and the authentic, uh, authentic, authentic side of authenticity. That, yeah, thank you. I couldn't get the word the out. Thank sister. you. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, Jay, it was just amazing sitting with them. And one of the things I want to let our audience know is Yu Ting hails from Taiwan. So, you know, Yu Ting, you're from Taiwan and with your parents. So, Jay, this is going to make you laugh, so don't laugh too hard because I was in okay. speeches yesterday laughing. But share with us where you grew up in the States. And after you share that, Yu Ting, the impact this has had on you in the music industry and what it, what it is, all, the impact it's had on you in the music industry and what it avails to you. Because we want people to know, like, you hail from Taiwan, but you've had some experiences living where you lived and how that has also supported you in the music industry. We think it's hilarious. Uh, so, I'm very humbled by where I come from. Uh, I came from a little country, but furthermore, when I was five, I, I, I immigrated to the U.S. in the very early 80s. And I landed in North Carolina of all places, and um, I actually, yeah, I landed in North Carolina, and I spent um, probably four, four or five years of my life in small towns in North Carolina, one of them being Reedsville, North Carolina. It's a population of, I believe, 13,000. There's one main street that's probably a quarter of a mile long, and um, that was where, that was, you know, the root of my beginnings, and then afterwards, in grade school and junior, grade school, junior high, high school, I went to, uh, I lived in uh, Danville, Virginia, which was the last last capital of the Confederacy during the Civil War. So, <laughs> so there, weren't, there weren't too many Asian families uh, during that time, but there were a lot of very nice American families and also uh, Filipino families, actually, that were um, you know, very kind to us. And we learned a lot, but at the same time, there was also still, you could still feel the tension between cultures and races um, in in that town, and so I say that I'm very humbled by my experience during that time is because you know I went through a high school where basically 60% of the of my class graduated high school, and when I think about my past and think about how I've come um, to New York, big city, and you know having worked with uh, these artists that I've worked with, it's just I, I still pinch myself every morning when I wake up. And so, so that's one thing that I reminded myself, you know, when I, when I started to move up in the world, if you want to say that, is, uh, you know, never forget where you come from and use that opportunity to also share with a lot of young people that it doesn't matter, like, you know, how much money you have or how much uh, or what, you know, town you came from. I mean, I came from a little town where, you know, we didn't have that much, but you focus, you be strategic, and you have compassion and you want to help and it will all, you know, if you have that curiosity, that drive, it will all pay off in the long run. Um, you think, I, I have to mention this. So here's the funny part, Jay. His wife, who's from China, grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. Yep, Huntsville, Alabama and Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so she has some pretty incredible stories herself. <laughs> Yeah, and she's an you amazing thing. What are you guys doing down there? Well, that's another story. All right. You can so, all you have to ask. Well, Jay, Jay before yeah. you go on, I want to ask him something. I want to know how the other part of the question was, how has experience being down there um, impacted you in the music industry, and what has it availed to you in working with artists? Well, the impact that it had on me was that I experienced um, being ridiculed and made fun of, I mean, from both sides of the fence, from, you know, white people and black people. And I utilized music as a form to kind of find solace, to find confidence, to find a form of expression. And so I always, and, and as I, as I grew, grew older and, be, and became more confident and, and figured out a way how to deal with people that, um, you know, would make fun of me or make noises because of my, you know, how I spoke, my, my Chinese or what have you, I just learned that, you know, they just, 
they weren't, they don't know any better. So I take that here when I come to New York when people, um, when people devalue the, the merits behind popular music. Um, and I say to them, it's like, you know, when you grow up in a small town and you see uh, a high school student and a friend of yours that grew up in less than ideal environments with a broken home, broken family, and you think about what they go through on a day-to-day basis, and the only thing that makes them feel better is the, is the, the identification that they have with an artist and the association that they have with a song, a lyric. And so when you see that, you know, you, you know, every artist that you work with, whether or not they're writing a simple pop song or a very complicated you know, jazz piece, you're, I'm always reminded of the fact that there's always some person out there that can, that, which their lives can change just based off of this song. So that's how much that, that experience down there shaped my views. I think growing up in that type of environment also helped me connect with artists. Uh, some artists go through a very difficult time in their childhood and far more difficult than mine. I mean, you know, personally, I think I had a great childhood. <laughs> when I tell people North Carolina and Danville, they say, oh, my gosh, I, you know, I had a great time. And I went through what every you know, child went through. But um, I find that, you know, having seen many walks of life, I'm able to speak the language of what artists speak and um, find that very, very helpful. Jay, I know you. I know you. I took one of your questions, so just go right ahead because I know you have like two questions. <laughs> okay, um, I like to know. You know, given that it's so it's so hard to be a successful, these artists to be successful in this business and so much competition. What are artists missing? You think in in trying to be successful, or getting into this business? What are they missing? What are some of the things that uh, they're missing to be in this industry? And you could you, know, you can tell us. Um, I think the first thing, a most very common trait that I find with unsigned artists is them comparing themselves to other artists and complaining about how they could do it better. And wow. I, 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 I find that to be not a very good use of time because I always say to these artists, you know, for every minute that you spend complaining about this other artist and saying how you could have done that, you know, you could have been superior to them, the fact is that you're not. <laughs> so... <laughs> It would be better, better, you know, I mean, that's just, I'm just being candid. I mean, the, the fact is that you're not, so you should spend your time actually focusing on your art. Who are you? Self-reflect. Get a better understanding of what is it that you want to say and how do you say it? What type of music do you want to write and what and how does it best fit your image? You know, um, if you're, I don't know, I can't think of any concrete examples right now, but I think that's, I, I see that to be a, a fairly common trait. The other thing that I would say to artists is that they want to do a lot of things at once. And mm-hmm. it's natural. I get it. We all do, right? Even me at this stage now, I want to do a lot of things. I want to change the world, et cetera, et cetera. But through life experience, you recognize that things take time, you must be patient, and you must be strategic. And that word strategic is so important, and we overuse it, and we think, you know, we think such broadly with that word. But... The first thing with strategic, with being strategic, is being organized. And you see a lot of disorganization, not only within artists, but also within our industry. And um, I think if artists actually mapped out, you know, my goal for the next six months, 12 months, is to reach X. Now, how do I get there? What do I need to do in order to get there? And who within my team, let's say my drummer, my guitar player, my producer, whatever it may be, how can they help out? What strengths do they have and what weaknesses do I have where I need to go find additional help? And so that level of strategy and organization helps them save a lot of time. Um, and it, the third thing I would say, going back, it, it kind of relates to the first part. You know, you've got to study yourself. You know, I, for example, myself, I love R&B music. I love old soul music. You know, I, um, Gail and I had this conversation. If I were to be reincarnated again, I would hope to God I'd be reincarnated with a very gravelly, you know, <laughs> deep, soulful voice. But I don't work with R&B artists. Why is that? Because I believe that you have to understand how they live, their culture. I have to, you know, you have to understand the, 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 the struggles that African-American people have gone through. Right now, I understand my culture have gone through some struggles, but there's always some nuances in there. 
So I find myself to be, I, I find myself, it's a little bit easier for me to relate to alternative rock artists because given the fact that my background is as a musician first and foremost. But, you know, so even with that, I say to artists, figure out what it is that you want to do. Who are you? You know, don't try and, you know, look look at what's the hot star right now, what's the big thing now, and then just copycat, you know, copy that. It doesn't make any sense because it's not who you are. And those would be my my first three things. Okay. Wow. You know, Jay, I mean, we, oh, God. Um, you think we definitely will have to have you back on this show. <laughs> not a problem. <laughs> I mean, Jay, you're thinking what I'm thinking, right, Jay? There's so much dialogue mm-hmm. we could get into. Yeah, yes, huge. <laughs> I mean, big time. I would love to come back. Yeah, we would love to have you and Nita back because, you know, one of the things that Jay and I have looked at, um, Jay and I work with artists, we've done it for years, and one of the things that's important I find is, you know, even I have an 11-page uh, artist plan. Um, I've managed, Jay has managed, and one of the things I ask artists is, how much money do you need to sustain yourself each month? What are your expenses? What do you think is going to happen? You know, um, Jay, jump in here, because I know there's things that you've asked artists. Yes, that's important what you just said, Gil. Also, you know, can you be successful having a full-time 95 job? Is it still possible? Because a lot of artists are like, I work every day, I'm so tired when I get home. What do I do? You know, what, what do they do? So that's another aspect of it. Because uh, some people think it's impossible because they, they work nine to five. But they're really yeah, you know, it's not a, it's, it, and it's not impossible. It's just, it's just it's daunting and it's scary. I mean, so having a nine to five, how many people have had nine to five jobs and started a company on the side? And exactly. People do that. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. What's, you know, what it is that, we're not necessarily wired to do things that are outside of our comfort zone. We're wired oh. to, you know, find a nine-to-five and, you know, just be conservative and disciplined. But some, if you want to go this, this artist route, become a musician, you have to love it. You have to want it more than anything else. You know, that's and very, very, it, very important. And even as an entrepreneur, like what you just said, Jay, and, and – um, and you think it's it's important, and you know this brings me to the next question, you know, because um, you think what you know this is you've told us about the artist, and you know, like I said, we could jump in and go on forever on that one. You think what did you see in your opinion? Artists can learn from each other between here in the United States and Asia. Because see, here's where growing up in North Carolina and other things can lend to, you know, and then you working with, uh, you know, Clive and all of that, what can we learn from each other, no matter what genre? What can Asia and the U.S., you know, or any Western artists learn from one another, in your opinion? Um, wow. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, what can they learn from each other? I think first from an Asian perspective, Asians can learn the art of performance and entertainment. Um, from American audiences. I mean, of American audiences and American artists as well. Um, and I think, I think that, that will be, as more Asian artists come to the United States, as they you know, watch more YouTube per se, they're able to see the, the entertainment value behind, behind showbiz, behind music, how they connect with artists. I think that's very, very important. You know, sometimes when you go see a Chinese band play, um, Chinese artists play, it might be in an auditorium with seats, and people don't stand up. They are very respectful, and they'll just sit there. And, you know, for an artist, that's what they're used to. But imagine an American artist playing in front of that type of audience. And it's not that they're not excited. It's just that culturally, that's how they're, that's how they're wired, right? So that's, that's, that's step one. I mean, wow. an Asian artist is interested in learning how to get into um, the American audience, uh, American industry, and learning to expand their their skill set, I would say that would be how that would work. From an American standpoint of view, um, I would say discipline, organization. Um, I, you know, again, it, 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 I, I see these Asian artists. They're, they're actually quite, they're very methodical, very calculated, and they work extremely hard. They want it badly. They want it badly because, you know, Taiwan's a little country. There's not that much opportunity. China's a humongous country, but there's not much infrastructure there. So these artists there, they're extremely hungry for more information, for more knowledge, and I think it's important for American artists to not take things for granted. 
You know, we have tremendous amount of resources in front of us. Great technology companies that are, that are creating all sorts of resources that we can use practically for free, right? We have venues. We have, you know, modern transportation. We have access to great instruments, etc. You've got to understand, some people in Taiwan and China actually don't have that, but they make the best of it. Uh, so I think if they shared, they worked together and share that type of mentality, both sides could actually become, you know, quite successful in, in whatever path they choose. Wow. Wow. That's all. That's all. Yeah, I'd like to chime in here and say um, when you were talking about the, 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 the Asian audience, you know, um, we went over to Japan last year and I, you know, I had a culture shock, Gail, because... You know, they weren't standing up. They were sitting in the chairs. And I was like, good, I like those skills. I just going to say that. But what my question is, what aspect of A&R is missing in today's industry? <laughs> what aspect of A&R? In, in the American industry or the Asian industry? Uh, you, can, you, can hit, hit both, you can hit both in the Asian industry, and you can talk about the American industry also. But um, in the Asian industry, uh, to be perfectly candid, I don't think there is much. Um, you know, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's A&R being done in South Korea and they're doing a fantastic job. Um, but it is, it is very much almost like, um, uh, almost like an assembly line over there. It's like, you know, Ford manufacturing, you know, T, you know, these model T cars, you know, uh, it's very, uh, methodical and calculated and it's very much based on pop music, right? Um, and you think and, I hate to interrupt yes. you, and you think, but I have to say this: yes. at least they're getting that here in the U.S. It's almost next to nothing. We would welcome an assembly line at this point. <laughs> no, you actually don't want an assembly line because you will hurt, you will impact the artistic integrity of what artists are trying to do. <laughs> no, I know. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, there's not much A&R being done in the greater areas of. Of, of China, you have a lot of indie bands that are trying to like figure things out on their own, um, and a lot of the the, the 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 industry is primarily controlled by by TV stations in Asia, and so you know they'll sign these ridiculously long agreements with artists and lock them in, and basically just say you know tell tell these musicians uh, we want you to be on this TV show that TV show and we want you to also act, and it's like their version of a 360 deal per se, right? And the United States. Um, United States, what A&R is missing? What is missing in the A&R world here? Oh, there's a lot. I would say going back to the roots of actually spending time developing artists, not just trying to squeeze a hit. And I understand everybody's under the gun to try and, you know, uh, make some money and sell a not sell a lot of records, but sell, you know, the brand, develop this massive conglomerate for this artist, etc. But um, sometimes, you know, you have to kind of start back at the basics and just just nurture and develop these artists. And, um, you know, I, I would love to see more of that. And I think we are starting to see more of that, to be perfectly honest with you. I am actually quite... Uh, I am actually quite happy with where the industry is currently at. I know, you know, some, many people have a different opinion about that, but uh, I think there has been an increase in independent labels, which, you know, it helps um, indie artists. It helps creativity. It helps innovation. You know, it gives artists the freedom to create, and indie labels are actually willing to listen, willing to help, willing to market and promote. And that's where you'll see, you know, real, true artistry starting to shine and come through and and hopefully it will become a larger cycle within the ecosystem of the music industry. Wow. Well, you know, I, I have a question you know, for you. Um, you know, we've run out of town, time, and this is something unusual we, we normally don't do, but we'd like to ask you, um, Yuting, if you wouldn't mind coming back on with us next Wednesday at 3 p.m., to finish up some other questions we have that really we want to really go into the direction that you're going and going in and sure. other people up to would you come on with us next week? Sure, absolutely. I'm sorry if my answers weren't as short as they should be. <laughs> no, actually it's so it's actually so it's actually so informative 
that we think that limiting you to, you know, only the time that we have. You know what I mean? The same with Nita, who was on uh, earlier. We're going to ask her to come back as well because this, the information that you have, not about, you know, getting information from you, as much as there's so much that our, the people who are coming into this industry, young especially, do not know. They're right. artists and need to learn. So would you be, uh, we would really have the pleasure of having you come back and would really appreciate it. I would be it. more than happy. I would be more than happy. My my mantra is to always share information. You know, any young, like, you know, recently at the New Music Seminar, a lot of young, you know, uh, NYU grads were asking me, can I have time to sit down? And I said, yes, you can absolutely have time. You know, the more information that's being shared, the more knowledge people have. The more knowledge people have, the better decisions we can all make. We can all help each other. So um, I'd be more than happy to come out uh, at 3 p.m. next Wednesday, correct? Yeah, three. It will. will we, your slot would be three ten p.m. Sounds good. I would love to come back. Right. Well, Jay, well, you I guys have, have a. Say, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go right ahead, sweetheart. No, I was going to say you guys have an amazing, amazing day, and thank you so much for having me on. I really love this. Yeah, thank you so much. It gives yeah. people an opportunity to be inspired. But you know, so one of the things you should know about us. Um, Yuting is that it's not just a radio show. People get inspired by your experience and feel that now they can step into that. So it's inspiration and also learning about your journey as a human being. That's what Listen and Give offers. We listen to the experiences of others and give back to society in that same way. Not a problem. I would love to speak more on that. All right. Thank you so much. And Jay, uh, Yuting, it's time to... Give on our way out. So we'll see you next week with you, Tink, <laughs> right, and one other guest. Sounds good. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.